0: every business is different you have to really provide the guidelines of that business as well as set them up for success most people can absolutely be successful in the role if they have the right support and guidelines to do so so really figuring out as an owner what does success look like for this role and then really communicating those expectations and what that success looks like to your new team member
1: have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business Then, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things here at Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency for the interior design industry, architects, and adjacent verticals, Darla Jethro-Powell. And today we're joined by Anna Sherbina, who is going to give us all kinds of tips, tricks, and advice when it comes to hiring remote employees for your interior design firm, your interior design business. That could be domestically, internationally, what to look for, tips, hiring, how to retain them because the times they are changing when it comes to employment in the workforce and how that's going to work out for you. So be sure to stay tuned for that chat. But first we have some housekeeping. So if you attended our July webinar with Emily Lisi and Gavin, our SEO expert for SEO for interior designers, then you know that these webinars are no joke. They're chock full of great information for the interior design industry, for you you guys that are in that business and the interior design architects to the trade, etc. Very well received. Also, you can watch those webinars here on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, click that little bell so you can get notifications for when those bad boys come out. You're not going to miss any of them and they're free. They're totally free for now. <laughs> so get in there and watch them while you can. So this month's webinar is going to be hosted by myself and none other than Abigail Weidman. You might recognize that name from the mini news sesh. And it's going to be called Instagram video 101. Let's get real with reels. Aren't we super clever? And that's going to be August the 24th at 11 a.m. Be sure to uh, go over and register at wingnutsocial.com in the dropdown, Wingnut Academy. Free, 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 free. Even if you can't make it, register so you can get notified for when that replay airs. Speaking of YouTube... We do have our YouTube channel, lots of stuff going down on YouTube. I just interviewed Mike Michalowicz and he's holding up his book and showing some visual aids. So if you want to see that, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's designed by Wingnut Social, which is a little hint of some branding stuff coming up. Wingnut Social on YouTube, designed by Wingnut Social. So that would be terrific. We'd love to see you there. Different bloopers, some different things, different editors. So bada bing, bada boom. Okay, that's it for housekeeping. I do believe you know what time it is. Time for mini news, mini news sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This week's mini news welcomes back Alicia McAfee. Alicia, today we're talking all about reels.
2: What you got? So now we can boost reels. We've been able to boost posts for a while now and it's super great, but now they've announced that we can start boosting reels, which is great to get more reach for them. Oh, that's terrific. Because as
1: we've said a million times, I feel like I'm just ad nauseum. Reels are what is helping to grow Instagram accounts right now. They're really putting uh, a lot of their weight and leverage into Reels for the algorithm. So tell us a little bit about boosting Reels, how we can go about doing that and how that's going to help grow our accounts.
2: You boost a reel the same way you boost a regular post. When you go on to the actual reel, there's a button that says boost post or boost reel in the bottom right. And you would just click that. And in order for you to be able to boost them, they need to be less than 60 seconds, which I know that they recently let us post longer reels, which is great. But in order to boost them, they need to be less than 60 seconds and they need to be full screen. So... With the other recent announcement of Instagram making all video reels, you have to keep in mind that you're going to have to post the full screen one. So if you had posted a video in the past, which was like a square ratio, mm-hmm. you can't use that to boost. By full screen, do you mean the full
1: nine by 16 ratio? We're still, we're still yes. looking in that. Okay. All right. So not like yeah. a, a little square Instagram video.
2: Nope. It has to be the nine by 16. And... So that's why, you know, with everything, with all of the videos on Instagram now being merged into reels, you can only boost the ones that were the nine by 16. So that might change in the future, but for right now, just nine by 16. And the other thing, you cannot boost them if they have any copyrighted music, Mm -hmm. any GIFs. Any stickers, which you know how they just gave us the interactive stickers on Reels that we have for stories. So if you use those on a Reel, you can't boost it. You can't use any of the camera filters. So you know how there's like special effects? Sure. If you use those on your Reel, can't boost that. And you can't boost it if you've published it to Facebook. Do we know why? Did they say why? No. I imagine it's coming. I don't know why that would be like something to stop it. But that's one of the things. So (laughs) to me, it kind of seems like they have to be original content. So maybe some trending sounds, but probably not any like music, any trending music, but it's pretty basic reels that it sounds like you're able to boost. Do they have the
1: same kind of um, opportunity to select your audiences to build
2: that through the boosting on the reels? Or can you do that through Facebook manager? Right now, it seems like it's... I don't think you can do anything through Facebook. You just have to go in to the like boosted post button at the bottom. And as of right now, all I know is you can use it to get more profile visits, more website visits, and more messages. So I think they're still working on that too, really nailing down the audience. But yeah, so these are just baby steps for Reels. Um, And then when you post them, they will be shown in your feed, in your stories, in the Reels tab, and in the Explore feed. So,
1: yeah. All right. Well, this is a terrific way to double down on reels. So not only are they getting more organic traction, just throw a little bit of extra juice back there and see what happens. Keeping in mind the tips that Alicia just told us, there's a lot of cannots, but you know, try them, experiment with them, see what happens. Alicia, thanks so much for joining us this week for Mini News. Thanks. Mini News Sash. Yeah. All right, let's get into my conversation with Anna Sherbina. But first, I got to tell you a little bit about her. So Anna Sherbina is originally from the Ukraine, and she's currently based out of Barcelona. Remember that with Freddie Mercury and Montserrat, terrific album, go out and get it. I can't sing, but it's okay. It doesn't stop me. She has over 10 years of experience in international operations and recruitment for both major companies and online businesses. Makes sense. She is the CEO of ReMotivate, a recruitment agency that helps remote-friendly companies hire top remote management and leadership via an affordable done-for-you service. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Anna Sherbina to the podcast. Hey there, Anna Sherbina. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? I'm doing fantastic, Darla. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm I'm delighted to have you And this topic is near and dear to my heart, because my business, my agency, Wingnut Social, is entirely remote. That's all my employees are all over the country, all over the United States. And we work remotely on via the magic of the digitals. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So that's going to be our topic today. And we've had shows on what to look for when hiring employees. We've had shows on best practices for that. But I think this is the first show that we've ever done that's specifically for remote hires. And it's an entirely different animal, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, remote hiring is definitely this uh, hot topic these
1: days. (laughs) Yeah. And so I have just an aside quote, I guess it is related. So how much has the pandemic affected the percentage volume of remote hiring versus brick and mortar were in house kind of deal.
0: I can actually pull out a really cool statistic. So, as of early this year, even 50% of all applicants on LinkedIn have been for remote positions, but only 20% of those like jobs that are posted that are are actually remote. So the employers are resisting, but the candidates are definitely all on board. And I would say even our number one reason why candidates are applying to all of our positions, like why are you leaving your job? What's going on? Is because they're being forced back into the office. So the pandemic has definitely spoiled us in working
1: from home. I love it my employees love it like right now I may or may not be wearing pants <laughs> on video right I have my little wing it's very comfortable you're in your house yeah. if you want to do something it's very it's a flexible situation. So why do you think employers would be resistant to it because I would think and correct me if I'm wrong that it definitely creates a solution for overhead costs and morale. Why would anybody be resistant?
0: Yeah, that's such a great question because I've recently been thinking about this and I've worked remote for a very long time at this point, but I do understand the benefit and I'm slowly, as my team goes grows bigger and bigger, I'm beginning to realize what could potentially be the benefit, especially talking to different employers. And that's, yes, productivity goes up, flexibility goes up, happiness goes up, morale goes up. But one thing that you do lose out on is that quickness of communication. I mean, all the Zoom slack in the world can't really compensate for you sitting down next to another human being who's also working with you on a project and being able to really dive in back and forth, especially if there's like a lot of back and forth uh, logistics or things like that. So a lot of pieces to a project. And I'm definitely feeling that even with my own team right now. It's like, oh, we need to go to a team retreat or we need to do something in person to get these things just moving a little faster. But I think that's a huge part of it is that especially with executive level, at an executive level, the brainstorming, the decision-making requires multiple people in a room and one hour of a Zoom call just doesn't always do it.
1: That's a really good point. And that is something to think about if you are setting up a remote business. And I have that issue here at Wingnut as well. I have six full time employees, and I have not met any of them <laughs> personally <laughs> or in real life. And it is just so weird. And I have actually been kicking around maybe where we can all do a group kind of thing or, you know, go to a, a marketing seminar together, but also, you know, party afterwards or something. So there is that. But I think fine. it's a I love my team. I want to meet them personally, but I think it's a small trade-off for the benefits. I think the benefits outweigh that because there are solutions, like you said, with Zoom and we have Google chat and, you know, but you're right. The responsiveness sometimes is, is lacking or, you know, some of that, some can get lost in translation there.
0: I'm a huge advocate of the remote workspace, and I do believe the future is remote, 100%. But I'm always understanding the other side of it as well to really get where people are coming from. And whether you work in an office or remote, there's always going to be advantages to each of those. And I do understand, I guess, where the employer is coming from or where our clients sometimes are coming from saying, we want to go back into the office. But unfortunately, that's just not the reality we're moving towards, I would say, And so I think employers have to just evolve and really get on that train.
1: Right. Let's start from the beginning then. So if we're looking for candidates to source for our remote jobs for the interior design for architecture, uh, where are the best places to look? You did mention LinkedIn before. I've had tremendous success with LinkedIn with the, the ads there. Is that one of the best places that you recommend or what are we looking at?
0: A couple years ago, if you asked me that, I would be hard against LinkedIn. LinkedIn was not really the place to get remote staff. This has definitely changed over the pandemic. I'd say so many more candidates, and I gave you that statistic in the very beginning, so many more candidates are looking for remote roles on LinkedIn. So number one, LinkedIn and also they have just so many opportunities and features for employers, whether those are paid ads, whether those are there's a recruiter light, recruiter professional services. There's a lot of opportunities there for recruitment that's a lot more affordable than a lot of the remote job boards out there where you're paying a couple hundred dollars without any really guarantee of getting good candidates. So I definitely say LinkedIn is great. A couple other platforms to just kind of throw out there and think about. Indeed is great. They have a free option. Workable, Upwork, Angelist, Those are just a few to name that are very affordable and you can find some great people on there.
1: Is it worth sponsoring your Help Wanted ad on LinkedIn or are the free ones just as good?
0: I would definitely say it's worth it, but it depends on the volume. So if somebody is looking to hire 5, 10, 15 candidates at one time, or you have that many posts going, you're paying like a PPC situation. So you're paying, like there's a cost per click pretty much. And I'd say that at a volume, it becomes quite expensive. And there are other options that LinkedIn does provide, things like job slots, corporate, there's other opportunities. But if you're hiring like one off here or one, two positions, then LinkedIn actually is a lot more affordable than any remote job board at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, I've had really good success with them. So I, I, I love mm-hmm. LinkedIn for that. it's it just for me is easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's intuitive. It's not confusing at all. What are some things to look out for when it comes to remote candidates? Because it's a different kind of discipline there from an employee standpoint. You can't really, or well, you shouldn't micromanage your people anyway, but it's different from a supervisory, an accountability standpoint, right? So what kind of things are we looking for when it comes to screening out those candidates, interviewing them? Is it different than the traditional sense?
0: Yeah, a 100%. Just because, especially if you're hiring internationally, again, it all depends nationally and internationally. But there are a few things that I would recommend that, again, it's shifted quite a bit when going into remote hiring. And I'd say one of those things is screening for soft skills versus just the, okay, you've had three years of experience, you live in this city, you know, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So we used to look at a CV, a resume, LinkedIn profile and say, okay, this person is a good fit. But the remote workspace is asking for something completely different. And that's soft skills, the hunger to learn, the time you're going to put in, the independence and drive that you can work on your own without having someone to micromanage you. So definitely, I'd say the biggest thing that has really evolved and that a lot of employers really need to adjust into and that many have not done is really screening for soft skills versus just the hard skills. Because you can pretty much learn how to do marketing. I mean, take a couple courses, watch a couple videos. I know that sounds, Horrible, but it's true, right? We can take a couple of courses these days, right? (laughs) Like we can watch a video, a a YouTube video. Like, that's what I I do throughout every single day. I'm always pulling up YouTube videos. How do you do this? How do you Google tells me everything, (laughs) right? You can you can learn this, but what you can't learn is you know how fast you move, or you know, how driven you are, or how passionate you are, or you treat the business that you're in like your own. So you put the time and care and you really show up, or that you're a good leader, or you have good communication skills. These are things that are not not as easily like you can't really learn them that easily versus things that you can just see on a CV. Okay, you've had three years as an operations manager. It just doesn't cut it anymore in the remote space.
1: I understand your point for sure. To look for those self motivated people that can work. One of the things that I ask every candidate is how comfortable are you with working remotely working from home? Are you self governed? Are you able to meet deadlines and meet your own goals because we have certain deadlines for, for clients and everything that we have to go by. And I, that is super important. They have to come to us, though, with a either a bachelor's or a master's even in marketing. It's a pretty um, robust what we do here, but we can train them in the way that we do things perfectly. You know, the way we do things strategically, we have to anyway. So it is more important for them to be accountable and to be communicative and to have those soft skills, like you're saying. So when we're interviewing candidates or when we're screening candidates for this in a remote what kind of way, how do we know that they're not just blowing smoke and they're saying, yeah, I can do all that. I'm super comfortable with that. Is there any kind of accounting or testing or you know verification that we can do for that?
0: There's a couple of things that we implement in our process that I always recommend to the clients that I work with or consult. So one, having them go through some sort of video stage, whether that's a cover letter, whether that's video ask, I love Love video ask. We use it. It's it's so easy to use. But things like video ask is going to really help see the candidate, see that they're passionate, that they're willing to get on camera, you know, share. Some employers, we personally don't do this, but I really do recommend it for those that are like want hiring, not again, not at a massive scale, but they don't have a lot of people who don't have a lot of time and need kind of an 80 20 version of this. I do recommend certain personality tests, not all, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> Like Myers-Briggs, I, I, I kid you not, I've done that five times. And five times, I've got a different personality every time.
1: <laughs> you might want to talk to your therapist so about like, that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work because it depends on how what mood I'm in. You know, it's not at all. But there are a couple ones that I do recommend. So DISC is one that many, many use that really has been successful. Again, personally, I don't use it, but I know many that have used it successfully and have their team do it and future team members. And another one that I have done, I've really, really enjoyed actually is Clifton Strengths. I think it's like 34 Clifton Strengths. It's one of those that you can't really lie on. It's just a very straightforward questions around what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what you feel like what how you act in different scenarios. And so usually I say that personality tests, when somebody does those, they're always thinking, okay, well, what does my employer want? But ultimately in that test, it's a bit harder to do because they're just going to think about what they do at their best. What are they going to do? And at their best, it's going to show these are at their best. These are their top skills. And what they believe are not as important is going to be at that bottom. And so they have 34 different actual personality traits. And you can see how somebody is analytical, strategic, people-oriented. And there's all these different divisions around the communication and people-orientedness. So I'd say for those that you know need like a quick look into a candidate, especially one that they're bringing on, a personality test could be really valuable. And then something you mentioned that we always recommend is a test project, but I'd say one that is very actionable and strategic to the role that is being hired for. So not just this hypothetical, what would you do, but like taking an actual situation within the business, whether that's an actual client that you're struggling with or an actual problem with the team that they're going to be managing and asking them how would they go about resolving that or what are the steps that they would take? What's the plan that they would take? What's the timeframe they see? So really having them create the strategic plan and explain their resources and and plan that out, that really helps to, to show you, you know, how detailed somebody's going to get, you know, how involved are they? How passionate are they? You can see so many of their personality traits and motivations in the how something is done, not just the response that you get from that test project.
1: I love that. That's a great idea. And that is something that I haven't been doing. So to just put something in front of them, you have a client that had ABC happen, how would you handle this? That's that's a terrific idea. And Clifton strengths that's one I had not heard of. So I will look into that. And I like that you can't fib on it, because I'll tell you a quick little story. I was in law enforcement for 18 years, and it wasn't really a very good fit for me. And I always go back to the day they do like a psychological evaluation assessment where you have to answer the questions. (laughs) And I answered them the way that I thought that they wanted me to answer them in order to get the position. But it it was such a disservice to me because it was a position that I wasn't really happy with. It wasn't really that fulfilling. So you might be thinking, oh, maybe I'm being a little rough putting this candidate through the hoops, but if they're not a good fit, they're not going to be happy anyway, right? So one of the questions was something like, would you rather go to a party or read a good book? So I said, well, it's an action job. They probably want me to say, go to a party, but I really would just rather read a book. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Right? So anyway, everything happens for a reason. So Wingnut Social is a digital marketing agency for interior designers and architects and to the trade home furnishings, and we do a pretty damn good job on behalf of our clients, if I do say so myself. But you know what? Don't just take my word for it. Listen to Julianne Hendrickson of Hendrickson Interiors out of Tampa, Florida.
0: Hi, I'm Julianne Hendrickson with Hendrickson Interiors. I've been a WingNet Social client for almost two years now. I'm so thankful for WingNet. When I first started using Instagram myself for my personal business, I didn't know who my core audience was, and I didn't know how to use all the special features on Instagram. WingNet Social is an expert in doing both things. They have taken my social media and they have made it something that I could not have done myself. I am so thankful and have no intention of not using them for a very, very long time.
1: Thank you so much, Julianne. We love having you as a wingnut social client, and we're so happy to see all of the success that you've achieved over the past two years with us. So if you guys want to achieve some similar success with your digital marketing for your interior design firm, your architecture firm, or you're a to-the-trade home furnishing situation, give us a call at 786 206 or check out the website, wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Just hit that Let's Chat and let's see how we can help you. So what are some advantages or to hiring someone who's remote, if you're in the United States, because that's where we are hiring internationally is uh, I I know some employers are reluctant to do that maybe because there's a disconnect with either the time zone, or maybe even sometimes a language, um, English not being the first language barrier, or, you know, all things considered, what are some advantages to hiring internationally? And why should we be looking more at that?
0: That's such an awesome question because I do believe that there are a lot of employers that really hold back in hiring people all over the world. And because they feel that, again, yes, the culture might fit, might not be there or the communication skills. There's a lot of misconceptions around what kind of people you would be hiring and how they would act if they are outside of the United States. But once you get over those misconceptions, stereotypes, etc., you actually find a lot of opportunity. And just to talk about a few of those, one, obviously, there is the element of the salary, right? And I'm not talking about just a smaller salary in regards to, okay, well, you know, it's a third world country or something like that. No, only one of the biggest reasons why it's going to be a lower salary is because the cost of living in most places, even in Canada, honestly, like, it's just so much Cheaper to live. I mean, I was in Bulgaria. The apartment I was paying was like 300 euros. It was a really nice apartment. Like, I, I genuinely tried to find a good place. It was like 300 euros, right? So, where you're hiring from, a big part of the salary comes from the cost of living. And so, one, if you're a smaller business, it's quite hard to pay salaries that are 80, 90, 100, 120. You know, that that's quite a lot. So, one is that salary advantage because people have a different cost of living. The other aspect is people are actually a lot more passionate because of that opportunity. So if you hire somebody from, let's say, Latin America, they're in the same time zone, but the opportunity to work for a United States company is a huge thing on their resume. So there's just a lot more passion, involvement, and strive. Whereas in the U.S., let's say an account manager has a lot of opportunities. Everyone wants an account manager from the United States. Not everybody's willing to hire from Mexico or Colombia or Chile, Argentina, and so on. And so people actually value the opportunity so much more. So they end up working a lot harder and more passionately for that opportunity and caring so much more. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying we definitely have seen that tendency across the board, whether you're hiring, I guess, a little bit less so in Europe, but more so in Eastern Europe, more so in Latin America, and even in Southeast Asia. So I, I definitely would say that, though it seems that there might be a cultural difference from the United States, if you're hiring people, especially on the admin side, Or again, you could be hiring for people who like operations, admin, even account managers. Ultimately, you can find some incredible talent that will be super passionate and a lot more affordable. And so you can scale a lot faster by hiring internationally.
1: I love that. That's something I hadn't considered. So thank you for that. Are there any, as far as payroll and taxes, are there any complications or difficulties there or drawbacks?
0: I would say that it's actually, for most of our clients, they end up hiring people on a full-time contract. So it would be a contractor agreement, but Mm -hmm. it would be in terms of full-time hours. And some of the tools that I always recommend, because some people are a little bit more nervous, right? Like what are the laws around that? How is that being conducted? I always recommend things like remote.com. So they do an amazing job with compliance and payroll, and they can help with all of that to be able to making sure that you're abiding by the law, Of you know, whatever country you're hiring people from, but ultimately, the way that most contracts work is that the candidate you're hiring usually has a sole like they are a sole proprietor in their country and they're paying taxes as a sole proprietor, so that salary is just coming in as like paying for services, and that's how usually most countries are seeing it. So it's very easy, but again for most, uh, most people that I speak with or most entrepreneurs or businesses in the United States, they are a little bit more concerned. So tools like remote.com really help with that.
1: So like a 1099 basis then, so you don't have to worry yeah, about exactly. Okay, okay so that, that's actually a really good way to look at it. I see a lot of opportunity for this topic in hiring remotely for e-designers, right? Interior designers that just do the design remotely because they don't require in-home visits or in-house visits. That seems like a no-brainer to hire someone to help you do your CAD drawings or to do design. Trying to brainstorm where this hiring remote positions would be helpful for interior designers with local clientele, where they're actually stepping foot, breaking the threshold, going and looking at the spaces, or have designers sitting with them, them and helping them design on hand. Can you help me brainstorm some useful uh, situations to where remote hiring would be good in those situations?
0: I would say the number one most helpful type of role to hire for would be things around admin and operations. Like that is the number one thing that they could get huge value. Whether that's answering phones, whether that's doing some administrative work, follow ups. Creating SOPs, processes, really all of the administrative type of work that goes beyond being there in person. Everything else is done from your computer. And so that a lot of that admin can be put off or could be really outsourced to somebody, whether that's again, locally. Canada or even beyond uh, Latin America and so on, because Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of businesses that are are brick and mortar, there's just so much on the admin side that they get very overwhelmed. Like that's the number one thing, even for online businesses, offline, online, the number one biggest thing in terms of time and like where their time is going is a lot of that follow-up and admin. And that can all be off-boarded to somebody, whether again, locally or abroad, I would recommend in terms of operations.
1: that's a really good point. Even as you were talking, a lot of interior designers have taken their design libraries to a majority of it being online and sourcing online. So maybe even some junior design work or like, you know, some of the remote design work that could be fulfilled. Okay. So Anna, so we have our hire, we've gone through, we filtered them out. We've given them the Clifton test. We're pretty sure we're ready to pull the trigger. What are some uh, tips for the hiring process there in order to make sure that we're making that right decision to filter out for that top talent?
0: I literally just had this conversation this week because we're doing a sourcing project and the the client was like, we need a pipeline, but what do you recommend the process should be? And there's actually a way to do a very simplified process. I mean, the setup is a little bit, you might take a couple hours, but once that's set up, it could be so, so much easier. Now, this can be done via Google form, via an Asana form. There's a lot of ways to do it, but at its core what I always recommend is having first a questionnaire. So some sort of questionnaire that tackles things like, do you have experience with this? Have you done this before? Do you understand these tools? Have you worked with, you know, these type of companies or industries? So really getting to the logistics, right? Because you can't really see that off of a CV and you don't want to spend a lot of time talking to every single person. So having a questionnaire that covers a lot of the logistics, even how many hours are you available, salary, things like that. So that's going to eliminate probably 70% of the people applying. And then from there, you're 30% you're going to ask to make a short video. Again, video ask, YouTube cover letter. I mean, it it could be in any format, but ultimately having a short video where they jump on, present themselves and answer a couple questions that you've provided so you have a little bit of a guideline and then from there having obviously a conversation. You're going to have very few after that, those two steps. You're going to have very few conversations (laughs) and then having some sort of test project. So not only do you understand their skills, they're great at communication. They've had that experience, but you also want to see them live in action because somebody who's done the same thing for another business can be a completely different way, model, strategic approach to what you want. And it's always going to be different from company to company, even if it's the absolute same type of industry role and etc so having some sort of test project is going to be amazing for that and then finally reference checks and for some reason it was actually quite uh interesting but most companies hiring remote for some reason are like oh but this is remote how do i do reference checks (laughs) i'm like well just like you do normal reference checks right so asking them to obviously prepare a few of their previous clients to a couple calls clients or employers obviously going on LinkedIn and checking that they didn't just give you their previous designer buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That that has happened. I swear. It's like, oh, this is my manager. And then I go on LinkedIn. It's like design coordinator. I'm like, no, that is not your manager. Because <laughs> most people are on LinkedIn are pretty so, like if they're giving their friends or colleagues, their friends or colleagues are not going to be putting manager on their LinkedIn. Like it's a reputational thing. And so doing a little bit of background on the references and then obviously getting on a call and digging into what was the relationship. We only accept past employers or clients that they've worked with for at least six months within a five-year period. So it can't be longer than five years ago, and it cannot be a colleague or somebody they worked alongside. It has to be a supervisor that can really speak to their character, to their growth, um, and things like that. So those steps... Again, if you set everything up and you really draw it out, it might take a couple hours. It might take half a day to set that up, but then it really creates a seamless and much better process that way versus the 80 20 of you know, you post a job, you scrap something together, post a job, you know, interview a couple people, and then you're kind of choosing from, I hate to say this, but a bit of bottle of the barrel because the people that are applying are generally. They really need the job. They don't really want the job. And there's a very big difference there. So, yeah, Yeah. having that set up and getting people interested, interacting with different people, inviting people. So, a couple of those things will make a huge difference to finding an awesome person to help out.
1: Love it. Okay. So, this is my last question before we get into the FIRE round is uh, once you have them, how do we retain them? I love that question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people don't really think about this. So, In terms of retention, I always give this example because I think no one talks about it in this way, but I love seeing it in this way because it shifts your mindset. So I always say when you bring on a team member, it's like bringing a child into your home. I know that sounds sounds a little odd, but ultimately when you look at it, it's You need to provide what the rules are. You need to provide, you know, what the responsibilities are, what the schedule is, what's the communication style, and every home is going to be different. And I see that every business is different that way, too. You have to really provide the guidelines of that home or that business, as well as set them up for success. Most people can absolutely be successful in the role if they have the right support and guidelines to do so. So really figuring out as an owner, what does success look like for this role what are the expectations for week one, two, three, four, every month, every three months, six months, et cetera, and then really communicating those expectations and what that success looks like to your new team member. Because otherwise, you kind of like, oh, yeah, they're just going to hit the ground running, but they don't have the tools and understanding and knowledge of your business. So really getting them prepared for that is going to make a huge difference being that leader, stepping up as a leader and really guiding them on their journey. If you support your team, ultimately your team will support you.
1: Is that something that would be in the SOPs? Like this is what you should kind of have mastered by week one, two, quarter one, et cetera?
0: It depends on the role. So an SAP Mm -hmm. would be great if you're hiring for a lot of the same position. But if this is an absolutely new role, then it can be something you write out and just talk through on the call. And you have like, you know, on Slack, you might have a list, like 80-20, a list of here's what week one should look like. Maybe if you're using things like ClickUp or Asana, it could Mm -hmm. be on ClickUp or, or Asana. But ultimately, you have a discussion. They have a clear understanding. You've answered all their questions and you have it somewhere written up exactly what the success or KPIs are, especially like the first weeks and month is going to be a huge way
1: of setting them up for success. I hope Emily is listening. Emily Lisi at Wingnut Social. Let's put that in process. (laughs) Let's put that in place. All right, Anna, this has been really terrific. Now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? Yes, I absolutely am, Darla.
2: Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut.
1: What would the hashtag on your tombstone be?
0: So my hashtag would be lived, laughed,
1: learned, loved. Nice twist. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food forever. What's it going to be?
0: Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but eggs. (laughs) I would have a chicken (laughs) that can make me eggs. You can have eggs in so many different ways with so many different things that it's just in like a meal you could eat forever. I think so.
1: (laughs) That's a very smart answer. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted you either personally or professionally.
0: My, I'd say, favorite book at this point has been The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It really touched me on, I would say, both on a personal and professional level. And ultimately, the book really talks about how to keep your heart open throughout your entire life journey and how he had come to that. And really being able to see your mind in a completely different way. It was very liberating reading that book and getting this entirely new perspective of how to react to life and being proactive, I would say, about the things that life throws your way. So I would highly recommend it both for personal and professional growth.
1: Awesome. That was The Untethered Soul?
0: Yes. Untethered Soul. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. cool. Great recommendation. I'll have to try that one. So Anna Sherbina, please tell the listeners with and go to find out more about you and we will call it a day.
0: If anyone's interested, they could either book a call with me at letsremotivate.com, there's a book, a demo call that will directly take them to chat with me or reach out to me via email at Anna at letsremotivate.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna. Thank you for having me. So while I do understand that there are some downsides to having a completely remote business, right? because that's what I have here at the agency, the positives more than outweigh the downsides. My team they seem to be anyway, unless they're lying to me, are incredibly happy, very comfortable at working at their own pace with their own deadlines. I mean, you know, obviously we have to tell them when those deadlines are. But it's amazing how people will show up and rise to the occasion when you just give them a little bit of freedom and you don't micromanage them and and let them do it. The quality of life, the lifestyle that it affords employees, I think is just I'm not going to say you can't really attach a dollar amount to it because you can attach a dollar amount to anything, right? But I think it's just very, very valuable. Having worked as a police officer forever, you know, we don't work from home. I love working from home. There's just so much freedom. And if I have to step away for a doctor's appointment or something in the middle of the day, nobody, well, I'm the boss. So there's that, That, maybe that's not a, a great analogy, but my employees can do it as well right? And all they have to do is say, hey, I have a dentist appointment here, I'm going to go, or maybe even answer things on their phone at the dentist appointment. It's just so much flexibility, so much freedom. And I think it's so important for us as business owners, employers to really take care of your staff and your team and make sure they're happy. And for those people that work well remotely, and that love it and are great candidates for it, I just think it's invaluable. It's irreplaceable. And if you have a position like Anna was talking about that's administrative or even maybe something e-design or something where you can communicate via Zoom or via Slack or Google Chat or what have you. I I just think it's a no-brainer. It's just a really really great idea. And one thing that we haven't done is hire internationally. She did open up my mind to that some and that's something I might I might kick around. So don't put that out of the question either. So I really do hope you enjoyed my chat here with Anna. I think she she had a lot of valuable information. Be sure to go to the show notes at wingnutsocial.com to check out her episode if you want to get in touch and and get some more advice from Anna Sherbina there. Don't forget to head on over to wingnutsocial.com to check out our services for digital marketing for your interior design firm, your architecture firm, or your interior design-related situation that you got on over there. And check out our webinar. It's all about Instagram and Instagram Reels, how to do them, why you should do them, how to optimize them, because they are the darling. In fact, as I'm recording this today, they came out and said that Reels are going to be it. it. <laughs> for video on Instagram, they're just doing reels. Man, are they doubling down on that? If you heard my interview with Maria Killam too, you know that she grew 100,000 followers just with her approach to reels. And we have a, our client grow playrooms. If you heard Anna Gilliard's episode a couple episodes back, you can, you can look that up at wingnutsocial.com. She went from 4,000 followers with us managing her account to, I want to say she's 37 38,000 or something about that now and a lot of that was due to our our strategy and our real strategy for her and the fact that she's so good on camera so wingnutsocial.com hit that let's chat i'm um, shasta our sales manager will love to help you out and see see what we can do for you there and that's it remember until next week to get out there get uncomfortable and be great Thanks
0: for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to WingnutSocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level.
1: see you in the purple rain. Purple rain. Purple rain. What's the deal with reels? Or keeping it? Wait, (laughs) what is it? That's not it. Where the hell is it? I wrote it down. Good boy, Mango.